Welcome to Fielding Questions, a podcast produced in collaboration between Ag Country Farm Credit Services and the Red River Farm Network, exploring the world of farm finance and rural life. Our guest, Ag Country Market Education Specialist, Katie Tangen. Katie, of course, uh, we're coming into the USDA Prospective Plantings Report coming out late this week. Uh, this report always gets a lot of attention, but perhaps more so uh, even this year. Uh, what's your take on, on what we're going to see in these numbers? You know, USDA in February has their initial estimate, which is really more for budgetary purposes, but those numbers didn't come out a whole lot different than last year's numbers as far as corn and soybeans. And I, you know, don't know that that's going to be that far off um, numbers that you know, we've penciled out, at least with our customers over the winter and other people that we've talked to, at least anecdotally, there isn't a lot of switching. Um, you know, these numbers are based on a survey through March 1st. So we could have seen some switching since then, but that's the case every year. I think one number everyone's a little bit curious about too is the, the spring weight number. Um, you know, we've, we were shorter on stocks because of last year's dry conditions in the Dakotas. Um, and price wheat prices are at the highest they've been in years, but it just doesn't seem like you're hearing about a lot of people switching to wheat or planning on growing more wheat, you know, some challenges with higher nitrogen prices, but then we have a lot of specialty crops too that are also wanting the acres. So that could be the most interesting um, number, uh, especially if we don't get um, some additional rains in winter wheat areas here come in the next few weeks. Well, especially when you take a look at some of these states like uh, here in the Dakotas and northwest Minnesota that uh, can grow a lot of different crops or into the cotton production areas as well. That uh, that may be where we'll see some, some of the, the differences. And I, I think that's a really valid point when you look at competing crops, say, you know, canola or sunflowers or barley. You know, we had malt barley contracts $6 or higher. Uh, as soon as December, there was just a lot of uphill battle for spring wheat and even for Durham. I mean, Durham prices are obviously uh, pretty elevated as well. But if you still have dry conditions, you know, maybe you take a chance on the on the wheat. But sunflowers do pretty well, too, in dry conditions. And especially, you know, West River in the Dakotas and maybe even a little bit east of that, we still have those dry conditions. And there may be some concern about how much they really want to put in to a crop uh, that, you know, may or may not make it. Sunflowers tend to be a lower input crop. So that's that's one thing I would keep in mind. Um, and then obviously everything with Ukraine and Russia does put a little bit more weight on, you know, wheat production, wheat performance, whether or not the U.S. ends up as a longer or really a more intermediate-term backfill to those two, we don't know yet, but that's something that the market does have in the back of its mind, um, especially as they go into their planting season. Obviously, with the backdrop of what's happening in, in Ukraine right now, there's uh, a lot of consternation, a lot of eyes trying to second-guess what, uh, what will happen. Uh, but as you mentioned earlier, we've got prices that are at uh, highs we haven't seen for uh, for a very long time, and and just about every commodity out there, uh, except for maybe on the, the meat side of things. Give me an idea what, what's the what's the approach for the producer? We certainly don't want to miss out on some of those highs, but we don't want to <laughs> uh, lose out on this situation either. 
that's exactly it. It's a tough spot to be. Three years ago was a, a tough spot to be, but from a different perspective, you were just trying to make a sale that would make you money and eliminate the losses, and this time you just don't want to let it slip away. And I think the change in perspective is, you know, we want to do well, we want to compete, but we don't want to be too greedy. And I think one way around that is we make smaller sales, maybe a little bit more frequently, um, scale in just a little bit smaller steps. You know, if you're normally selling 10,000 bushels at a time, maybe scale it back to five and make, you know, two sales over the time span you would have made one before. I think just kind of chipping away at that is a really good um, method. The other one that, you know, ideally options would work great, right? We can have a minimum price contract or we could sell cash and buy a call to open the upside. Those have their place, and some people will use them just fine. Keep in mind, though, that because we've been so volatile, because the prices are higher, um, because of so many different factors, the premiums on those options are going to be higher. So the production you get from them is maybe not quite as strong as you might want. I'm curious. We've been hearing a lot on transportation, obviously, with what's happening uh in, in moving product on on the ocean, but we've had you know CP in the news with with their short strike, those kind of things. What's happening in bases? What what are we seeing there? You know, especially we also had that really awkward roll uh, first part of May or I'm sorry March, where we kind of went right through the May contract and went to the July. Um, that made the bases look a lot worse in some cases, especially if you had a May contract, but. Um, it's stabilized now. I don't think it's going to get a lot worse. But keep in mind, futures the, the pace of futures change plays into that too. So if we go into next week and futures skyrocket up, you know, 50 cents in corn over two days or something like that, the basis is going to get wider. I, and there's just not a good way to keep up with that. Right now, um, we're getting close to planting, which tends to slow down grain flow. But freight is still very expensive especially rail freight. Um, and I don't know that that's going to change in the real short term here. It is causing a lot of headaches for elevators that haven't booked ahead. Um, and, and a lot of elevators, especially around here, don't tend to book a lot of freight in that April-May time frame because usually they don't have a ton of green coming in. You know, they have some regular business that they'll do, but not extra. Um, you know, first part of March, the uh, SF trains, maybe costing about the same as they would at harvest, which isn't something we usually see. Uh, that, that'll even out. I, I don't think that's a permanent feature, but just keep in mind there are going to be challenges with freight costs and fuel going forward. You know, this time of the year we'd be looking at what's going on with the weather, and we certainly are, but it's just amazing right now with the, so many things happening in the geopolitical side and, and policy world. Uh, it's just it's hard to keep uh, on track of everything that's happening right now. It really is. You're right. Usually weather is all we have to talk about this time of year, and it's just so far back. It's not that it won't come into play. I think it's just going to be more of an immediate concern when we start to see that planting take place. Well, then what's the weather like? And it won't be the be-all, end-all, at least this spring, as it has been other years. Now, if a as the Ukraine and Russia situation goes on, and we're seeing that a little bit already, the market tends to not, it loses its shock value, right? We kind of accept it as this is the, the new normal, at least for the moment. 
and we move on to other things. And that is starting to happen. That will continue. Now, when new news comes out about it, yeah, that'll price in, but it usually prices itself in much more quickly than what we saw at the end of February. Um, the plain states are dry. Uh, they continue to be dry. That's especially important for winter wheat right now. It, it may come in to play a little bit more with corn and beans later on, uh, especially for maybe a double crop for Kansas, although eastern Kansas looks to be in okay shape at the moment. Um, you know, but even the eastern Dakotas right now are not the dry mo- drought monitor, but there are areas, at least of eastern South Dakota, that may not be in the drought monitor where guys are still saying they're, they're pretty dry for this time of year. So I think there will be some increased sensitivity in those areas. Further east, they still have plenty of moisture from last year, so I, I don't think it'll be too big of a issue. It's amazing how quickly the snow melt uh, happened, and uh, we don't see a lot of standing water, at least at this point. And that's just it. Even, you know, eastern North Dakota, I think, is in better shape, obviously, than they were last July and June. Um, but we did have a decent amount of snow, and it melted pretty quickly. And there's not as much standing water or flooding as we would see in a lot of other years. So uh, we are replenishing the water table. That that helps a little bit soil moisture. But we probably will need to see continued rains once we get past mid-June. No doubt. Well, as always, if folks have uh, any questions, uh, they certainly can contact you or any of the offices. They sure can. Um, they can go to our website. It's www.agcountry.com. And on that page, we have a list of all of our locations, um, a number for all of our offices, and then just get a hold of them, and they'll, they'll get you hooked up with who you need to talk to. Again, our thanks, Katie Tangen with us from Ag Country. If you have a question about a financial topic, we'd love to hear from you. You can send Ag Country a message on Facebook. You can uh, hit them up on Twitter or submit your question using the website agcountry.com. That's Fielding Questions. I'm Don Wick on the Red River Farm Network.